Hello, my name's Florence. Welcome to the OBS pod. I'm an NHS obstetrician, hoping to share some thoughts and experiences about my working life. Perhaps you enjoy Call the Midwife, maybe birth fascinates you, or you're simply curious about what exactly an obstetrician is. You might be pregnant and preparing for birth. Perhaps you work in maternity and want to know what makes your obstetric colleagues tick, or you want some fresh ideas and inspiration. Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the OBSPOD is for you. Episode 50. Aches and Pains. Pregnancy changes your body, changes it beyond recognition. There are so many so-called symptoms of pregnancy that we take for granted as health professionals. If you look at the list of common pregnancy symptoms on the NHS website, it's a pretty long list. Even women with a so-called healthy pregnancy, straightforward, in inverted commas low risk, will experience some of them. We can consider them trivial and minimise them as normal pregnancy. But we can also underestimate the disruption they can cause for women. Being pregnant myself certainly gave me a new appreciation for some of them. Just heartburn is not quite the same as raging burning sensation in your chest that keeps you awake at night. This week is the first part of a double bell. This week I'm going to talk about aches and pains of pregnancy what causes them, if we know, anything we might be able to do to help them, and the hope of making pregnancy slightly less debilitating and uncomfortable for some women. Next week, I'm going to continue on this topic with blood and guts and talk about some of the other normal symptoms of pregnancy. When I've done a little exploration in preparation for this episode, I can find quite a lot of mention of waffly hormones causing things and not much science. I find that interesting given there are approximately 640,000 births a year in the UK alone. That's a lot of people struggling with these symptoms every year. This is by no means going to be an exhaustive list but it's just some of the things women frequently talk about in my clinic appointments, often with a rather apologetic note. I think it's normal, but, or I've got this, this and this, but I can't complain, everything's fine really. Here goes. Let's start with heartburn. Heartburn is thought to be because of a change in the sphincter tone between the stomach and the esophagus or gullet the sphincter being like a sort of valve that should prevent the contents of the stomach coming up into the gullet. This allows acid from the stomach to head back up the gullet much more easily. It's thought to be hormonally mediated, but in late pregnancy, let's face it, this can be exacerbated by the physical effect of the large womb pushing up on the stomach. It can also 
be worsened by the fact that the stomach empties more slowly in late pregnancy. So the contents stays in your stomach for longer. One of my textbooks states that up to 80% of pregnant women will experience this symptom. And there's a lovely old wives tale that heartburn means the baby has hair. Although I know this simply isn't true, when my first daughter was born with a fine head of hair after months of popping antacids, it was hard not to think of that association, even though I knew it wasn't scientific. There are plenty of over-the-counter remedies, which are perfectly safe. Women with more severe symptoms, we can prescribe two different drug treatments, omeprazole or ranitidine, which neutralise the acid and tend to make life more comfortable by reducing the quantity of acid produced in the stomach. On top of that, there's also basic kind of common sense advice, such as trying to eat early in the evening, which might allow the stomach to empty before going to bed and lying down, or eating smaller amounts, small meals more frequently, rather than large meals, and sleeping propped up, sleeping with multiple pillows behind you so that you're at a bit of an angle. There we have it. Heartburn. Another common problem are headaches. I often find women talk about headaches in the middle of pregnancy, the second trimester, perhaps from 18 to 24 weeks. Headaches are a problem. 90% of them will be benign not harmful, and are composed of tension headaches or migraine. However, a small number of headaches can be symptoms of a more significant problem, blood pressure problems or neurological complications and problems. That is complications within the brain or nervous system. So when a woman comes with a headache, We have to ask some questions to find out what we think the cause might be. For most women, we can be reassuring. Tell her to make sure she's drinking plenty. Take regular paracetamol, which is the safest painkiller to take in pregnancy. Perhaps rest and do some relaxation. Yoga or meditation might help, for example, if it's a tension headache. And make sure she's getting plenty of sleep and try and suggest ways that she might be more comfortable in bed at night. But if a woman is having either a very severe headache or recurrent headaches, it's very important for her to contact the maternity team and for us to do a bit more investigation and look at her in a little bit more detail to make sure there's nothing more significant going on. And that's where the issue with these normal pregnancy symptoms come in, because What we have to do is try and sieve and decide, is this a relatively minor problem, an inconvenience, causing discomfort, or is this a life-threatening problem for which we need to admit the woman to hospital and do various tests and treatments? Sometimes it's hard to differentiate. So sometimes we'll need to admit a woman and do investigations and then conclude that it is something less serious. Next, let's think about back pain. 
It's hardly surprising pregnancy causes back pain. Your whole centre of gravity is pulled forward and your core is stretched beyond belief. On top of that, the joints and ligaments loosen, ready for labour. That is definitely a hormonal effect. There's a lot of pressure on your lower back because of the pressure on your pelvis, your pelvic floor and your lower abdomen. The pain can be very limiting and it can be tempting to sit and rest. If every movement is painful, why would you move around? But in actual fact, it can be much more beneficial to keep everything moving with gentle exercise to try and prevent everything from seizing up, strengthen the muscles that are under pressure and do some stretches to relieve the pain. Physiotherapy can be extremely helpful and I've put some links in the programme notes to some very short physio videos that I found online researching this episode. I have a wonderful midwife who works with me in clinic who when a woman complains of back pain will demonstrate to her how to do a pelvic tilt and will talk to her about getting out a birthing ball at home or sitting on a chair and doing regular exercises to keep things loose, keep things mobile. So with some of these conditions, prevention could be better than cure. Alongside back pain comes pelvic girdle pain. It's a particularly tricky problem. This can range from a mild pain, perhaps at the front of the pelvis, at the pubic symphysis where the the front of the pelvis joins together, or can be round the back of the pelvis, round the sacroiliac joints, where the pelvis joins the spine. It can be mild, but it can be extreme, limiting everyday activity. It can surprise us by turning a fit and healthy woman at the start of pregnancy to a woman who can barely walk. We might see her come into our clinic waiting area on crutches, and think, I don't think that's how she looked the last time I met her early in pregnancy. She may be taking a wide range of painkillers and still find it nearly impossible to get on the clinic couch for us to examine her. Again, physiotherapy can be very useful, giving women advice on how to move safely and not exacerbate symptoms by stressing the joints. We can also provide a support belt, which can be helpful. When I look at the RCOG information leaflet on pelvic girdle pain, it states that up to one in five pregnant women will experience pelvic girdle pain. Therefore, it's somewhat surprising that we don't have a better range of treatment or that we don't have more ready access to physio and exercises, preventative measures for women. Although pelvic girdle pain isn't life-threatening, it can be very debilitating and I will have women come to my clinic and beg me for an induction to end the pregnancy when they're really struggling to move around at all. It can be challenging looking after other children in the family or being able to do very simple everyday tasks. Whilst pelvic girdle pain isn't a good reason for induction, 
sometimes on balance. It's what can that woman manage? How much more of the pregnancy can she endure? And believe me, at that point, it is an endurance test. A sentence. Almost like a prison sentence. And that woman is begging me to do something to allow her to get her body back. So talking about the pros and cons of intervention and the pros and cons of waiting, sometimes that's just what we need to do. She's gone as far as she possibly can for the benefit of her baby, but she's reached her limit. Leg cramps are another nasty symptom. They can be described as sudden, intense involuntary contractions of the calf muscle. That doesn't sound very much. They're commonest in the last third of pregnancy, and I've experienced them myself. I would startle my slumbering husband with a loud yelp, leaping out of bed in the middle of the night and grabbing the affected leg. They're very short-lived, but extremely painful. It can end up violently rubbing your calf, bending your foot back and forth, and just praying it will subside. There are many theories as to their cause, and lots of remedies have been attempted, such as magnesium, calcium, and a whole range of vitamin supplements, but disappointingly, none of them have been found to be more effective than a placebo. We've talked about pelvis, back, legs. Don't think that arms get off lightly either. There's something called carpal tunnel. This involves waking up with your fingers that feel swollen as if they've transformed into numb bunches of bananas. The tingling and inability to get a grip can be really challenging. It's due to pressure on the median nerve, the nerve that runs down through the wrist. And it's due to swelling in a part of the wrist called, you guessed it, the carpal tunnel. Lucky pregnant women can get this in late pregnancy in one or possibly even both hands, making daily activities such as getting dressed in the morning, doing up buttons or zips, or perhaps unscrewing a a jar, taxing. There's not a lot you can do. Wrist splints can be worn that relieve some of the pressure, but let's face it, it's simply not practical to have your wrists constrained if you're also trying to care for a toddler, go to work or go about your normal daily life particularly if it's in both hands. One hand in a splint, maybe. Two hands in a splint, nearly impossible. Having discussed a bit of a catalogue of symptoms, what is today's zesty bit? I think it's to be sympathetic and supportive. When women talk about these so-called normal aches and pains, they may be common. They may not be life-threatening, but they can be life-absorbing, making each day or night a challenge to overcome. Don't forget even getting dressed, putting on your shoes and socks can be an undertaking. Make sure you use your powers of observation when a woman comes to clinic. How easily does she walk into the room? Is she wearing unseasonal flip-flops because she can't get on her shoes? Is she wearing splints or a support belt? When you ask how she's doing, 
be genuinely prepared to listen to the answer. Encourage women to exercise and keep active during pregnancy to protect themselves and their bodies and minimise pain. If you're a pregnant woman listening to this, look at some of the exercises and advice I've linked to today's episode. And know that once the baby is out, for the most part, these weird and wonderful features of your life will quickly disappear, almost like waving a magic wand. In the meantime, they're your body's reminder that you are amazing. You are growing a whole new person. Be patient. It's not surprising that it takes some effort. I do hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of The Obs Pod. Feel free to contact me on Twitter at FWMaternity or at The Obs Pod to ask me questions, give me topics for future episodes or let me know what you think. It's absolutely fantastic when you get in touch. I really enjoy reading your comments. As usual, I've tried to include in the programme notes some extra reading about this particular topic, both for professionals working in maternity care and for pregnant women using services. I'd like to reassure you that although I'm talking about my experiences working in maternity care, I take confidentiality very seriously and do not give any personal information about any of my patients. If you've enjoyed listening, I'd love you to recommend the OBSPOD to friends or colleagues. And please do leave me a review on whichever podcast directory you find my episodes. Many thanks for listening.